the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. All through this Gospel, John is driving us toward belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope and pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Christ is our hope in life and in death because he's the one that holds on to us. And that's what we get to read about today from the gospel of John. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. I'm going to read starting at verse 22 and I'm going to read through the end of John chapter 10. That's our uh, text for this morning that talks about the fact that Christ Jesus holds on to his own and will not let us go. It's a beautiful truth. So let's give our attention now to John chapter 10, verses 22 and following. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? If I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. 
He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. I don't know if I'm alone in all of this. I've heard so many indicate that it feels like the world is falling apart right now, like devastation and hardship and uncertainty is the rule of the day. Decline, discord, and division are the way in this troubled world, and all the more reason that we need to press into the beautiful truth that John 10 gives to us, that nothing in the universe can shake you from the grip of the good shepherd. Nothing in the universe can shake you from the grip of the good shepherd. I've got three points for us this morning. First is the power of the good shepherd. The second is the wisdom of the good shepherd. And the last one is trust in the good shepherd. So let's start with that first one, the power of the good shepherd. We're told in verse 22 that this is at the time of the feast of dedication. And as you hear that, you might you know, think, well, we hear a lot in John about different feasts. And, and this one, I don't know if you were able to place what this one is specifically, This one is what is more often known today as Hanukkah or as the Festival of Lights. That's what the Feast of Dedication was. It was a celebration that had begun pretty close to the time of the Lord Jesus. It wasn't established in long history, but it was a celebration of something that had happened pretty recently in the life of the people of Israel. There was a foreign nation that had come and occupied Israel and oppressed them for a period of time. They had outlawed the practice of the worship of the one true God. They wouldn't allow the people of Israel to circumcise their male offspring. They had forbidden them to engage in the worship that God had given to them. And there was an insurgency that began and a leader named Judas Maccabeus led the people of Israel to throw off the power of the Seleucids and to reinstitute worship within the temple. And when they went to the temple, there was oil enough for one day, but it lasted eight nights and led to this celebration of the Feast of Dedication. It's wintertime. And that's what's happening right now as the Lord Jesus is talking to the people, which means there's been a fair bit of time between when we finish up in verse 21 and what Jesus is saying now in verse 22. And the Jews ask him to tell them plainly if Jesus, if he is the Christ. And if we follow their actions throughout the rest of the passage, we can see that they are asking him not because they're hoping to worship him or follow him, but because they want to have a cause for charges against him, to arrest him. They've actually been trying for a while to arrest Jesus, and they're asking him to make a plain statement about if he is the Messiah so that they could arrest him, so that they could oppose him, so that they could maybe put him to death. Because they try to do that in the course of this passage. Jesus says something that is obvious to us and should have been obvious to them after they ask him to tell them plainly, are you the Christ? And he says, I've told you a bunch of times. That's his answer. I've told you a bunch of times. And, you know, throughout the Gospel of John, this has been like a major theme, like maybe the major theme. And in every chapter and on every page from John chapter 1 through John chapter 10, Jesus has made it clear through what he has said and through what he has done who he is, 
what his nature is as the Messiah, as the one who's been sent from the Father, as God himself. And the people have been upset about it throughout the whole book from the very beginning. They've been really upset every time that he's told them who he is. And so now they are asking him again. They are like pesky children who have been told no snack, but keep asking for a snack. Sorry, this is going to start getting a little personal uh, if I keep going in this direction. They ask him again and again and again to try to ensnare and entrap him. The point of the book of John, one of the major points, has been to demonstrate who Jesus is. He is the Christ. He's the one we've been hoping for. He's the one that the people of Israel should have been hoping for. And yet, the people here have been determined to have hard hearts. And so they ask him in order to try to destroy him. And so Jesus... He's very wise and extremely careful in how he expresses the truth, but, but more on that later. Let's think briefly about this asking again and again because it gets at the nature of our hearts. Oftentimes, we are, like the people who have been described throughout the Gospel of John, quick to believe but fickle in belief. Quick to believe but fickle in belief. We'll say things like, God, if you just do this one thing, I'll never doubt again. And then he does it, and then we doubt again. God, would you just please do this? Would you please do this? I I promise this is the last thing that I need. We ask it again and again and again. Man, our belief can be so fickle. And so as we read this, I mean, my temptation as we go into John chapter 10 is for me to roll my eyes at the people of Israel who are again trying to trap Jesus. This is happening so often. But the difficult reality, if I'm willing to read this in a way that is humble enough, is that I do the same thing. Fickle faith. And yet the Lord is so gracious. Because here's the reality. If you read the Gospel of John, Jesus will show you again and again and again and again who he is. In case you've forgotten, Jesus says, I am who I have claimed to be. I'm the Lord God. I have got you. I'll be with you. I give eternal life. I am who I've claimed to be. He's going to do that in this passage. The people have asked him, will you tell us, are you the Christ? He'll tell them the thing that they actually don't want to hear. He'll tell them because he is so gracious. And he'll remind us again and again and again. And because he is so gracious and good, he gives you a promise here in John chapter 10 that should be extraordinarily comforting. He says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand." 
whenever in the Bible there is repetition, it is an indication for us that we need to pay attention because that indicates the importance of the thing that was just said. And here Jesus repeats this truth. I have got my own and no one will snatch them out of my hands. The father has got his own and no one will snatch them out of his hands. Jesus is saying, Christian, you are mine. I've got you. I won't let you go. No one is strong enough to take you away. Not anyone, not anything. Jesus is saying the thing that we just got to sing as his people. No power of hell, no scheme of man shall ever pluck me from his hand. The reason that's such a powerful thing to sing is that we're singing the very truth that Jesus gives us in John chapter 10, that he's got you and no one can take you away from him. Jesus has got you. The father has got you. No one, nothing, not now, not ever, will ever be able to do something that will draw you away from him. No one can do anything that's of eternal harm to you. Jesus is too strong for that. The Father's too strong for that. How does this benefit you? There's been a video that's been circulating through, uh, th- through the internet about uh, Ukrainian Christians. And what some people say is that this was, uh, as the invasion into Ukraine was happening, some people say this was a Ukrainian family before, you know, while tensions were, uh, were starting to heighten. This was their response. They're singing, he will hold me fast. What that communicates is that in the midst of a terrible conflict, the truth that is grounding for these Christians is that Jesus has them. And that is the fundamental reality that will preserve them. Even in a time of tension or conflict, that hope belongs to everyone that trusts in Jesus. And it is extraordinarily, extraordinarily comforting to know that Jesus has got you. And even, even war is not going to be able to draw someone out of his hands. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukemai. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook answering seven hard questions that Christians ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. We pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, D.A. Carson came and preached here at Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. It was, it was wonderful. It was kind of amazing to have one of my theological heroes come and, and preach and Call me Jeff, uh, and uh, you know, he came. Uh, he came into my study uh, before the worship service started, and uh, I met him for the first time. And uh, and he told me, um, you know, in his own inimitable way, the French Canadian sort of British, very intelligent way, he said, "If my hand shakes, you'll have to forgive me. I have Parkinson's." And I said, "I'm so sorry, Doctor Carson." And he looked at me, you know, with a little bit of surprise and almost like he was about to make fun of me. And he said, why are you sorry? We're all going to die, you know, (laughs) which was shocking to me. It was short, a shocking response. And then he said, and don't worry, 
It's nothing that a good general resurrection can't fix. Now that is beautiful. Like that is a beautiful thing. As we continue to talk, we got to talk between the services. He talked about the fact that he was, he, he was dying. He's approaching the end of his life. And he talked about it with an astounding level of confidence. That strengthened me and my own trust of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what was demonstrated by this faithful servant of the Lord God throughout his life is that he knows that Jesus has him. And that means that death itself won't separate him from the one who is holding on to him. What a beautiful truth. That if Jesus has got us, it means that we don't need to be shaken by war or conflict. If Jesus has got us, we don't need to be afraid of death. Here's the third one, closest to home, most personal. Yesterday we had a classes meeting for Classes Chicago South and I drove there to Calvary Oakland where the meeting was taking place and I realized as I was sitting in my car about to go into the classes meeting that I had despair in my own heart and so I had to pause and just confess to the Lord Jesus that my own despair was evidence of a lack of faith in the fact that Jesus was holding on to me. I was scared, you know, I'm, I'm all too often scared and my own sense of despair was pervasive and I said, Lord, would you please forgive me? This is, this is like unbelief working its way out in my own, in my own despair, in my own discouragement. It's like, I, it's like I, you know, I'm tempted to believe in this sort of context that you're not still holding on to me. Would you give to me the confidence as I walk into that meeting that, that you're holding on to me and that the most important thing is that I honor you God was so gracious in that he gave me that comfort and assurance all throughout that meeting that he was holding on to me. This is the best classes meeting I've ever been to. I mean, I, I lost a vote again, just like every classes meeting. That's pretty typical at this point. But, you know, Jesus is holding on to me. Whether you're facing war, death, conflict, disagreement, discouragement, the same abiding truth holds. And that is that Jesus has got you. Jesus has got you. And nothing in the universe can change that. And then as Jesus continues, you might wonder, so this metaphor is a little confusing because he says, I've got you, no one can take you out of my hand. And then the father has got you, no one can take you out of the father's hand. So what does that mean? Are there two hands? What's going on? And then Jesus clarifies, I and the father are one. Jesus says, I'm saying the same thing in two different ways. As I say, no one can snatch you out of my hand. And as I say, no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. I'm saying the same thing in two different ways because I and the Father are one. In a mysterious way, without eliminating the distinction between the Father and the Son, the Father and the Son are one. As Christians, we talk about this as the beautiful mystery of the Trinity, that the Father is God, that the Son is God, that the Spirit is God. But there are not three gods, there is one God. Jesus is claiming divinity. He's claiming an identity with the Father that is deeper and broader, more totalizing and complete than what you or I experience because we are not God. He's demonstrating the fact that he is God. And while there's still some sort of distinction, he and the Father are one. It's this amazing 
amazing, deep, beautiful, biblical mystery that's glorious. And the people know what he's doing. They recognize that he's claiming to be God, that he's claiming divinity through this little phrase here. And so they are angry about it and they decide that they are going to stone him, that they are going to put him to death by hurling rocks at him until he dies. And this takes us into our second point, which is the wisdom of the good shepherd. The people pick up stones to kill him, not trying to do things according to the law because you could not put someone to death until you had had a trial for that person. They had been convicted of sin. They also weren't allowed to do this under the Romans. The Romans would not allow the people of Israel to put people to death and they were subverting the will of the Romans. So this is not a legal gathering. This is a lynch mob that seeks to put him to death according to lynch violence. The people realize that he is claiming to be God and they want to kill him for it. And then Jesus quotes Psalm 82. He quotes Psalm 82 that says, you are gods. What's what's he doing here? You see that? In, in John chapter 10, you can see it in verses, um, in verses 34 and 35. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I'm the son of God. So what's Jesus doing here by quoting Psalm 82, which does say, you are gods? Well, this was the subject of a lot of digging for me and research this week for me. And I am very happy to stand up here and tell you I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know exactly what's happening here. I'm not sure what he's doing by quoting Psalm 82 in this way. I can tell you if you want what everybody says and everybody says something a little bit different. You know, there are some people who note that Psalm 82 is a psalm of judgment against the religious leaders. And so they say, well, Jesus is quoting Psalm 82 to, to speak a word of judgment against the people. There are, are, are others in other sort of denominational traditions who are saying that he is laying out the process of salvation being made like God, a process that's called di- divinization in some, in like the Eastern uh, Christian mystic tradition. There are some who, uh, who say you know that he is um, that he's trying to like subtly make a connection to the uh, authority of scripture i 'll tell you what d a Carson says because we all know him, and I think he's really good with this sort of stuff. He says that that what what Jesus is doing here is is calling the minds of the people to the scriptures to demonstrate and reveal the fact that they are trying to act extrajudicial Outside of the law, I'll uh, try to use a easier word to say, <laughs> that they're trying to work outside of the law, that he's, that he's pausing them to cool down the temperature of the, of the people gathered there to say, hey, are you sure that I'm blaspheming if I'm using the words of the Psalms here? So Carson is saying he's doing that to cool the temperature of the people so they don't immediately put him to death so that he can get one more jab in before he leaves. And since he preached here last Sunday, let's, let's just go with that. Because the reality is, is Jesus does get one more jab in before he leaves. You know, he demonstrates the fact that they should be able to know him by the fruits of what it is that he's doing. He says, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe in me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know 
So let, let me just pause right there. So the first is, he talks about how the works that he's doing demonstrate the reality of who he is. The works demonstrate that reality. This is true for you and me too. If we trust and belong to the Lord Jesus, our works will start to look like his. If we're people that genuinely are held by the Lord Jesus, the way that we act will start to look like the way he acts. And then he gets a final jab in. He's calmed the crowd a little bit. He said, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. So he makes another claim to be divine and then he gets out of there because they try to arrest him and he escapes. He goes across the Jordan. And this takes us to our final point here, which is trust in the good shepherd because something wonderful happens. And that is as Jesus escapes them and goes again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, many come to him. And they believed in him there. They came to him and they believed in him there. Again, this glorious theme of people seeing and believing comes at the end of John chapter 10. That there are those who recognize that as Jesus claims to be divine, that they need to see that that's true and trust in him. As he demonstrates this glorious reality that all who belong to him are kept by him and no one will ever be able to snatch them from his hands, they realize that is what I want. That is what I need. And they believe in him. My hope and my prayer is that as we see Jesus claiming to be God, we will do the same thing. I believe it. As we recognize the glorious power of following him and belonging to him and knowing that he'll never let us go, that we might say, I want that. And that we might really live in line with the glorious truths that we've sung today. It was not so much that I on thee took hold, but thou, dear Lord, took hold on me. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. He will hold me fast. Amen. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukemai. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.